What is up, guys? Welcome to Creeps in the Crypt. As always, I am Eric, and I'm joined by... Christian. Sam. So, we're back from Vegas. That was a whole fucking experience. Um, probably should have come back one day earlier. My wallet would thank me. <laughs> but we got another true crime case this week for you guys. Yeah, it's a bit of a callback. I'm excited. A little bit. There's a lot of shit involved with this case. Um, I'd actually heard of it. I gave Sam full creative control this week. I was like, you pick the topic, you do the research, and because I'm busy. I feel like she already had the research done. Uh, yeah, I was like, she shit that out real quick. <laughs> I did. So, guys, before we get into the episode, though, um, we are doing a Ouija board special for our 100th episode. So we are taking listener stories. If you've ever had an, an experience with a Ouija board or you have a story about using a Ouija board, please email it to us at creepsinthecrypt at gmail.com. Um, the final date to submit those is going to be the 23rd of May. So get those into us. Uh, we don't have any new reviews this week. So guys, make sure you leave us some reviews. We, we love reviews. Yes. They, they really help us out. It makes us feel good. Yep. On the down low. It gives us all the feel and good And we give things. you a shout out. Yeah. Um, we're working on some new things coming up. I know some of you guys aren't happy about the ad con like content on our Spotify or whatever, but it'll be worth it. It's going to help us do things like upgrade the mics, get new computers, things like that. And we're going to have another stream basically to help us with that. But we'll talk more about that at a later date. Um, but yeah, do you girls have anything before we start? No. Mm -mm. All right. So Sam, without further ado, Okay, so remember back on the Marilyn Monroe episode when we were talking about the Kennedys, and I said I have another potential alleged, supposed... Yeah, there's a lot of alleged female bodies that pile up around the Kennedys. Well, we're going to talk about one today. Alrighty. Yay! So, we're going to talk about the murder of Martha Moxley, and... I wasn't even aware of this murder until like maybe like a couple years ago when my girlfriends told me about it when I was doing the other podcast. Mm. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm all for conspiracy. And we all know. I, I we mean, all know. I wouldn't say it's a conspiracy that we all know who did it, but you know, we're all not right. we're not really allowed to say who did it type of thing. It's a legend. So for all, yeah, for all intention allegedly. purposes of this episode, um, everything's a legend. Allegedly. And I would also not kill myself. So. Yeah. We, none of us would kill ourselves. <laughs> not a one. I have kitties to take care of. Yeah. I have an AG. Mm. And a cat. Yeah. We all got kitties to take care of. Yeah. So. Kitties and kids. Mm-hmm. Give me the shotgun now. Shut up. It's been called one of the most captivating crimes in modern American history. Which immediately got me going. I got my juices flowing. I was like, ooh, yes. Yeah, that's foul, Sam. I don't want to hear about your juices. Fuck you, Eric. You say it was a foul 
hellish shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and me talking about getting my juices going with a with a most captivating crime in American modern Ugh. history. Fuck off. I can just I just can't get the picture of Sam in the bathtub reading the true crime novel with the <laughs> shower head going. Just she's making carrot ginger juice. Yeah. Yeah, I just I'm good on that. And I'm the foul one. Get out. <laughs> I think if we actually had a poll about that, I feel like that me and Eric would probably tie. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that. It would be a landslide. Mm, probably. I wouldn't even be on the <laughs> map. I would be obliterated. I know you're proud of yourself that you made me wince at that, too. I did. I am very. I'm really proud of myself. Yeah. Pat myself on the back with that I'll one. I'll give you a golf clap. You get a golf clap on that one. That was a good one. It was very respectable. <laughs> Thank you. That's respectable some foreshadowing, moment. too, by the way. The golf oh, clap. Oh, 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 no. <laughs> anyway. I don't even know where this is going. Anyway. Well, if they don't know about Martha Moxley, they don't know either. I don't know about her. No. So, Martha Elizabeth Moxley was born on August 30th, 1960 in Piedmont, California to Dorothy and David Moxley. In 1974, the Moxleys made the move from California to an upscale neighborhood called Bellhaven in Greenwich, Greenwich, Connecticut. Dorothy called Bellhaven, quote, one of these neighborhoods the kids could just go meet people very safe. You'd think at 14 years old, moving across the country would be detrimental to a young teenager's life. I know when I moved down here at 15, I was like, man, screw this. Mm. All my friends I've grown up with my whole life, and now I'm here. And that was yeah, just that, four hours away. That's a real formative time, too, is like yeah. early, like mid-teenagers. Yep. But... It didn't phase Martha at all. She was voted best personality in middle school. She made friends really easily. She was a straight-A student. She played basketball. And she had everything going for her. She said cliche, like... <coughs> yep. I feel that, like that it's... Never, uh, that never goes well. She brightened up a room every, every time she walked I in. I feel like one. it's like a death sentence. If it literally it. is. See, like, being a... A cunty bitch is not a bad thing. I aim to darken the doors I walk through. (laughs) Neither of y'all are going to get killed for being too nice and polite. I'll tell you that much. Fuck no. (laughs) Maybe strangled by an irate customer at your jobs. I have a... a I wish a mother heifer would. I make little tallies every time I piss somebody off and I try to get as many in one day and try to beat that score. Of how many times I... She's setting PRs, folks. I am. Setting PRs. I am. I think it's a challenge every day. How many people can I ruin their day today? I like that game. game. You're a fucking energy vampire. (laughs) No, there's a difference. I just make them mad. That's literally an energy vampire. I don't suck their energy. Does it make you happy and filled with glee when they're pissed off? Yes. Mm -hmm. You're an energy vampire. At least I'm a vampire. Mm Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It makes my day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you're so mad. For fuck's sake. Sucks to be you. You're mad. Oh, no, you're getting madder. I'm not getting mad. She's awful. I am awful. I love you. You married me. I know. This one over here is just friends with me because we're that same person. Mm. 
We take joy in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I see y'all vibing over there. Oh, yeah. The vibes are good. <laughs> Let's continue. Martha befriended these two boys who lived next door, 17-year-old Thomas and 15-year-old Michael Skakel. Their parents are Rushton and Ann Skakel. Rushton's sister, Ethel Skakel, is the wife of Robert F. Kennedy, who is the brother of President John F. Kennedy. Mm. What's crazy is the Skakels were like super fucking rich compared to the Kennedys. So the Skakels actually had a shit ton more money. They just joined forces. Basically. With all well, their money. As most elite families do. Yeah. They got to keep it in the family. Mm. The Skakels family dynamic was quite the opposite of the Moxleys. Michael would later blame the household turmoil on chronic illness, alcoholism, and a repressive Catholic moral and sexual outlook. All those kids, all the Skakel seven children, of them. were fucking demons. Demons yeah. unleashed upon the earth. Yes. There's not a good one in the bunch. No. So, Ann Skakel passed away in 1973 from brain cancer. And that just kicked up Rushton's alcohol abuse uh, quite a few notches. He would regularly leave the children at home unsupervised and with unlimited access to funds. So, as any good, like, rich parent, of would. course. And what happens when you leave seven children of teenage age and up in a home where well, there's no parents and they all the weren't money you can ask for. Respectful children, either. They were fucking, like I just said, literal fucking demons walking the earth. There, the Skakel home was literally Grand Central Station for chaos. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. Thomas or Tom Skakel had somewhat of a crush on Martha, or so it seemed from her diary entries. I'm going to read one from September twelfth, nineteen seventy-five. It says, Dear Diary, me, Jackie, Michael, Tom, Hope, Maureen, and Andra went driving in Tom's car. That's I don't like know a lot of, That's a lot of people. It's also 70, it's 1975, so I mean. They didn't have Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or any of that shit back then, so. Mm. They had to lock all those little mem memoirs in a diary, you know. I love it, though. Yeah, I was talking about the amount of people in one vehicle. Well, didn't you take us to McDonald's one time with somebody in the trunk? Yes. And there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And we Same also thing. pretended like he was a homeless person and told him he wasn't allowed back in the car. We were going to leave him there. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> so they went driving in Tom's car. She says, I was practically sitting on Tom's lap because I was only steering. He kept putting his hand on my knee. And then I was driving again, and Tom put his arm around me. He kept doing stuff like that. She also wasn't happy with how Michael Skakel was acting towards her friend Jackie a few days later on September 19th, 1975. She's, this is like a page and a half, so it's just a, a blurb from the September 19th entry, uh, which was used later in the trial says Michael was so totally out of it that he was being a real asshole in his actions and words. He kept telling me that I was leading Tom on when I don't like him except as a friend. 
I said, well, how about you and Jackie? You keep telling me that you don't like her and you're all over her. He doesn't understand that he can be nice to her without hanging all over her. And uh, a few months prior to her murder, she wrote in her diary that she, quote, needed to stop going over there. I mean, when you're that rich, it's it's like ingrained in you that sex isn't about sex. It's more about power. Yeah. It, it's just a, everything's a power move. Yeah. It's all it's all about power. Yeah. Like when you're that loaded, it it doesn't matter anymore. The, the rules change clearly. Yeah. So. Fast forward, we're going next month, next month to October 1975 it's the night before Halloween, which we all know as Mischief Night. Devil's Night. Same thing. Typically, the night never resulted in anything more than egged windows and cars or... TP'd houses. A, yeah, toilet papered lawn. But Flaming mis- bag of dog shit here and there. Bellhaven didn't really have any of that. It just said nothing more than like a toilet papered lawn happened on Mischief Night. Those rich kids better step the game up. I don't know about now, but back then it was pretty tame for kids. But Mischief Night 1975, that all changed. It's Mar- a night to remember. It's not, they definitely won't ever forget it. Martha had gone out with her friends that evening, just like every other kid in Greenwich. But when 4 a.m. rolled around and Martha still wasn't home, Dorothy started to call around to Martha's friends trying to figure out where she was. Who the fuck lets their kids roll around until 4 a.m.? I don't care if it's 1975. She probably woke up and thought that she was already home and then realized that she She wasn't home. Still. Because I've gotten that 2 o'clock in the morning phone call angry as hell. My mom, she's like, where the fuck are you? And I'm like, I'm in my car. I'm on my way home. I'm not in my car. I'm not on my way home. No. We've all done that. Normally, you, normally you had my penis in your mouth. Shut up. Right before that. You really had to throw that out there? Yes. Okay. Did it make you feel better? It did. Okay. Is that your You one? rambunctious gal, you. Oh, Lord. See, it was judging hard. And I'm the foul one. He's been very sexually repressed since TSA molested him. So yeah, <laughs> I was molested by TSA on the flight home from Vegas. So I'm a little. So you got to take it out on me. I just got to take it out on everybody. I, you know. So Dorothy gets a hold of one of Martha's friends, and she tells Dorothy that she had last seen Martha that night with Tom Skakel. So Dorothy, they, the Skakels and the Moxes are are neighbors. They're 150 yards apart. And Dorothy walks over to the Skakels, knocks on the front door. And Michael Skakel answered. She asks him, like, have you seen Martha? I can't find her. He's like, nope, haven't seen her. And shuts the door, basically. He's like, nope. Slams the door in her face. Yeah. A little bit after 12 p.m. afternoon... On October 31st, 1975, Martha's friend Sheila made a gruesome discovery. Martha was lying face down under a large pine tree at the edge of the Moxley property. So it's like the Moxley-Skakel property line. There's Martha. 
She was covered in blood, and her jeans and underwear were pulled down to her ankles, although there was no evidence of assault found. I'm not... I won't leave that hanging. Which... I find strange, but knowing what I know about the case, but continue. Right. She was bludgeoned with a six iron golf club that was found near her body so hard that the club actually had been broken into three pieces. It splintered, basically. Yeah. A golf club. A metal. I don't know what they're made out of. I'm not sure if it was metal. Um, That I'm not sure of because... They had them made out. No, it was metal. It was metal? Mm hmm. So, there you go. Holy shit. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, no, it was a Tony Penny. Very high end set of golf clubs. Tony Penna. What are you in this set of golf clubs? Tony Penna. So, I never really found out, like, what the steps were that police went through to gain access to the Skakel home? Well, you know, did you, I don't know if you mentioned it, but when the club splintered, the handle of the club was, or uh, part of the club was used to stab her in the neck. Yeah. yeah. So she had part of the golf club, like, stabbed into her neck. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they ever found the grip, if I recall. I don't know what parts they found. I'm not. I know they, I don't think they found the grip. Um... So the police gain access to the Skakel home. And upon the investigation of the home, police found a Tony Penna club that had missing pieces to it that matched the club from the murder scene. Well, they found the set of clubs. They found part of a, a club. Okay. Oh. And the missing, like, it had the... And Skakel's name engraved on it. The clubs did. Okay. So he had he he can't perform without the monogram clubs. Is this like the girls in high school? That it was the, the mom's clubs. I thought it was the dad's clubs. And Skakel. Say so yeah, I'd read it was the dad's clubs, but continue. All the sources I read had and it was Anne's clubs. Okay. Cool. Right. It was one of the parents' know. clubs. So the police questioned Tom Skakel since he was the last person reported to have seen Martha alive. Me and Martha were just going out to practice our golf swing, Papa. I can't stand you. We, I was working on my backstrokes. <laughs> oh Let's just say I'm under par, Papa. Under par. Tom told detectives that he saw Martha around 9.30 the night before outside of his house where they said goodbye. And they he went inside to watch the French Connection with the Skakel's new live-in live in tutor, Kenneth Littleton. Kenneth was later investigated that following fall, and he supposedly had no idea who Martha even was. The night that she was murdered, Mischief Night, uh, was his first night at the Skakel home. And uh, he was given a poly, but somehow failed the polygraphs. Multiple polygraphs at that. He failed all of them. Well, that's not a red flag. 
that no i'm not sure how well the polygraphs were back then either i mean they're still not really great today they're still not admissible in court so i mean you know i don't even know why we i don't even know why we use them still if they can't use them in court because what's the point well it's too easy to beat them right ed kemper proved that yeah so so but he was never it's important to say he was never charged in connection to her murder police believed that martha had been hit from behind around 10 p.m authorities questioned michael skakel's whereabouts that night and he said he left his house at about 9 15 p.m drove to his cousin's house and then he came back home around 11 p.m and then the case goes cold for 20 years almost 20 years now does yeah. it say which cousin he was i was never it was just my i went to my cousin's house i i guess it just doesn't i guess it so i wonder if it's robert kennedy hmm? oh their kids yeah oh i don't know i could see i could see that yeah maybe i could were they in connecticut at that time i'm not sure but I, I could know. see, I could possibly see it being like RFK Jr. or some shit. <laughs> so, 1991, the year I was born, it was a, a rumor circled around that another family member of the Kennedys, William Smith Kennedy, was involved in the murder of Martha Moxley. And the rumor wound up being false. Important to say, it was untrue. But it placed the case back into the forefront of everyone's mind. This time, Michael Skakel is the prime suspect, not Tom. Well, what's fascinating about Michael is that not long after she died, he uh, was sent to the Elan school. Yeah, for troubled like youth or whatever. Yeah, so he was sent to this school that's known for like abusing children. Yeah. Like make some fucking stand for six hours without setting and without water and shit. Like real fucked up stuff. And this school just closed recently. Like with the last one of the Elan schools closed down just recently. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So Rushton Skakel, the patriarch, hired a private investigator to clear his family's name once and for all. While hopefully pointing the finger at Kenneth Littleton, the yeah, you know you have money when you decide you're gonna just do your own investigation. Well, that's what John Ramsey did. I mean, that's but that's. I mean, like, he got fuck you money too. So yeah, <laughs> but that just goes to show like the the thought process of this because this was done as like a business decision. Mm-hmm. And he ran it like a business internal uh, like investigation. It was an internal infi- affairs. <laughs> an IA investigation. Yeah. Well, this all kind of backfired on Rushton. There were two PIs hired to, quote, clear the Skakel name. Joe Murphy, who was a former FBI agent, and his assistant Billy Krebs, Greaves, I'm not really sure, a former lieutenant for the NYPD. The two men interviewed Tom and Michael about where they were on Mischief Night of 1975, only to find out the boys had lied to police. I will pause for shock. 
I'm not shocked. I'm not either. Tom admitted that it was not 9.30 p.m. when he last saw Martha, but closer to 10. And also, Tom and Martha... <laughs> Fix me good. I can't say this with a straight face. They... <laughs> They engaged in what Tom calls mutual masturbation. I'm not really sure what that is. Is it like you just sit in front of each other and diddle yourselves? Or do you do that to each other? Like, I don't fucking know. Maybe a little bit of both. Here, Maybe. I'll touch yours, you touch mine. Yeah, I'm we're just like myself. taking turns. Like, heavy what the petting. Fuck? Basically, it's heavy petting. Mm. That's an old, old phrase, but... Yeah. Heavy so, petting? Yeah. Google that shit when you... I'm good. I don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to go to the heavy petting zoo? No. I don't want to go there. <laughs> I don't think I do. Oh, dude. It's an old phrase, but yeah, same thing. Okay. You just rubbing on each other's junk. But not engaging in actual, like, sex. Yeah. That's okay. Just, so it's the equivalent of, like, what our generation did by going to the movie theater and like fucking around the movie theater type of shit. Okay. Back when they had the, the, the two seats hidden in the back with the wheelchair access seat next to it. <laughs> it was like a blind spot to the rest of the theater. Okay. Yeah. I never went to a theater where I got diddled. Well, I'd hope not. Diddling's bad. <laughs> Nobody wants to be diddled. <laughs> Y'all quit laughing at me. There was no heavy petting going on. I'm like, shut the fuck up. I'm trying to watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever you want to call it, that happened outside of the Skakel home mischief night 1975. Tom then began to cry and his attorney stopped him from talking altogether. Well, the attorneys kept the Skakel brothers away from the police. That's why the investigation went cold. Yeah, well, duh. They had the best attorney's money could buy. Well, yes. Because the family knew that these two idiots. Guilty as sin. Fucking did it. My Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Michael Skakel told the investigators that he didn't go right to bed that night when he got home around 11 p.m. from his cousin's house. He climbed a tree outside of Martha's bedroom and masturbated. So yeah. they, the, both of these Skagel boys he, just have the hots from well, Martha. He did this a lot, though. Yeah. He jerked off in the tree facing her bedroom like a shit ton. Yes. Which, I, that just does not sound fun to me. There, there's the possibility you're, of splinters. You're in a tree. I'm, I'm afraid a squirrel might bite my dick. I don't know. What if you fell out? <laughs> that would be very embarrassing. <laughs> With your dick in your hand. Like, it, that sounds like a shitty 80s movie. Honestly. <laughs> Has anybody seen photos of her? She's pretty. Yeah. She's a pretty blonde girl. You know. I mean, I'm sure you don't have any photos of his perspective. You know, looking through the tree with his hand around his no, dick. No, I don't. Frank Gar. A state inspector obtained the PI's report from author and journalist Dominic Dune. Frank had always been suspicious of Michael, but his theories had always just been kind of brushed off. 
This report kind of brought a new sense of life into Frank's theories. In 1998, Judge George Thim ruled that there was enough evidence to charge Michael Skakel in the murder of Martha Moxley. Several former classmates at the Elan School uh, said that he had confessed to them that he murdered Martha. Gregory Coleman, a former classmate, testified that Michael told him, quote, I'm going to get away with murder. I'm a Kennedy. And he said that he, Michael, had made a comment that he was trying to make advances towards this girl and that this girl was not complying with those advances. Thus, he drove her skull in, which is a great terminology that he used, being that she was murdered with a fucking golf club. I wonder if he yelled four first. I hate you so much. But unfortunately, Greg never made it to the actual trial part because he died of a heroin overdose in 2001. Allegedly. Hmm. That's... Convenient. Suspicious. Hmm. Suspicious. Are you sure they weren't tied to the Clintons too? Like, I think they're all tied Don't the Kennedys have a body count, too? Oh, yeah. The, well, I mean, you know, Marilyn, the, the girl from Chappaquiddick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's just a pile of bodies around Kennedys both of them. Kennedys aren't squeaky clean either. I feel like all of those families, though, have a pile of bodies around them. Like when you have money that old, it's hard not to. Yeah, like you got to keep the family secrets, you know. Mm-hmm. Back in 1997, Michael Skakel teamed up with ghostwriter Richard Hoffman for his autobiography, "Dead Man Talking: A Kennedy Cousin Comes Clean." Interesting. Mm-hmm. Gotta record- get that book deal money. A recording that came out during the trial was of Michael saying that he had been drunk, was smoking marijuana, and was sexually aroused on the night that Martha was murdered. Was he watching his brother get heavy petted by her? Oh my god. I fucking can't. The and fact that most flew of flew off into an act of jealous rage. The source material I used said mutual masturbation. I was like, I'm not even going to touch that with the Google search. Nope. Did you try Pornhub? Nope. I'm sure you could have found out what it was. Nope. There. I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm gonna go. I honestly, I don't even know where I'm gonna go with that. When Dorothy Moxley knocked on the Skakel's door that morning or that afternoon, I guess or whatever, um. Mike and Michael answered. He said he panicked because he was still drunk and high from the night before. He had a brief moment of panic, wondering if they saw him in the tree outside of Martha's window while he was Jerking choking it. the chicken. He was pruning his bush. <laughs> mm. So, uh, yeah. There's just loads of cum underneath the tree. They're like, why, Ew. why does it smell like a Bradford pear all the time? It's like, is it sap leaking from the tree? Yeah. What kind of sap is this? Gross. It's just like a fucked up Johnny Appleseed or something. Oh. <laughs> James and his giant peach. Hey. Well, he's trying to see Martha's peach. <laughs> 
Prosecutors tried to argue that he was worried that they saw him beating Martha over the head with a golf club that night. Mm. So that's... His defense team argued that there was no evidence that linked Michael to this murder and that he had an alibi for that night. But prosecution painted the scene of a jealous teenager, angry that he was rejected by the girl he had a crush on, under the, while under the influence of drugs and alcohol, and he had access to the murder weapon, which all the Skakels did, though. So, mm-hmm. not I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm just saying, allegedly. Allegedly. On June seventh, two thousand two, the jury came back with a guilty verdict, and Michael was sentenced to prison for twenty years. But do you think that's where this case ends? No. No. You it's would, not. You're like, oh, yeah, it's solved. But wait, there's more. Cue Billy Mays. But wait, there's more. Over the course of the next four years, Michael's defense team filed motion after motion, a total of four, to overturn his conviction. All were denied until October 23rd, 2013. My birthday. Mm. <laughs> hey. Uh, Way to go, Sam. I know, right? It's all your fault. <laughs> it happens. Michael was granted a new trial. The reason being, his attorney, Mickey Sherman, did not adequately defend him during the trial, supposedly. Michael Skakel was released on a $1.2 million bail on November 21st, 2013. Prosecutors fought tirelessly to, to have the conviction reinstated, and they succeeded in December of 2016 when the Connecticut Supreme Court ruled 4-3 to three that the conviction was valid. But the case still, we were still not done. In May 2018, the court reversed its ruling with another 4-3 vote, agreeing that Mickey Sherman did not provide an adequate defense for Michael and failed to provide evidence of Michael's alibi. The prosecutors are able to retry Michael, but they will have a lot of difficulties due to deaths and other issues. To this day, Martha's mother and brother believe that Michael Skakel is guilty. Dorothy is convinced that Michael's family and their connections to those in higher power are the reason why he's walking free today. So, let's just say... Allegedly. Allegedly. I have a little theory. I don't think it was Michael. I think it was Tom. Tony? Tony. Or what was it? Tom or Tony? Tom. 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 Was the oldest brother. What? I'm the one who was actually. Yeah, you got it. You got it right. I'll look at you. Go you. I know. Where's my gold star? You get a you get a grape job sticker. Um, (laughs) Is it scratch and stick? Anyway, Tom's uh, Skakel. He probably wanted to go a little bit further than heavy petting. She refused and he got very mad. So he's like yeah see ya and he followed her home in a fit of fucking rage but they were already on this like these like I don't know if he had if he would have had time to 
go into the Skakel home, go find his mom's clubs, go back out when she hasn't even met the property line yet. It was they were outside when the petting was going on. So they were in Tom's room or anything, and she had time, and he had time to go do that. That would have had to have been premeditated. That mm, yeah, and the golf clubs would have to be within reach, like easy, convenient reach. That's true. That's because true. Because it's his dead mom's. But what if his story was bullshit? What story? Tom's story about the whole thing. The timelines were off. I think he was. They were up in his room. Doing whatever they were going to do. Well, he said they he, were outside. Well, well that's, I, yeah, that uh, just what a murderer would say to corroborate a story. I mean, I don't know. I think they were upstairs doing whatever that heavy petting is. And he tried to take her pants off. She said no. Then he yanked them off. Then she probably ran down the stairs, probably hid somewhere, which gave him time to find the murder weapon. Then she made it outside. He chased her down and beat her over the head. I'd say it's probably more like. Uh, you know what? I'm. She's probably. Like, I'm gonna leave. Like, you know, he's getting a little too handsy, wanting to fuck me or some shit. I'm gonna go home. So he feels rejected. So he, you know, she leaves. He grabs the golf club from his mom's club set or whoever's club set, and then goes and before she can get to the property line, bludgeons the shit out of her with it. I don't know. It had to have been like a hit from behind to like just like dazed her enough that she didn't make like a sound or anything that where anybody would hear anything. Oh yeah, it was confirmed that she was hit from behind. Okay. So she was walking away. Yeah. But, but I just I find just, it really weird that nobody heard anything. Yeah, I mean, well these these properties are huge. I got you. Like, they were talk- like, we're talking more than a football field away. Did it make the ping noise when it hit her head? If a dead girl falls in the woods, you know, does anybody hear it? I think I've seen more of the what the fuck faces from Sam at you today than I have in a while. I'm feeling all juiced up from Vegas. <laughs> still. You're feeling tankerous. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I you haven't hunted any pirates in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I haven't played <laughs> Sea of Thieves in a while, so you haven't done anything dirty. Yeah, I haven't done anything to like fuck people's day up. So this is gonna be a problem. What are your thoughts, Sam? I'm kind of leaning. Do you think my half-ass theory has holds any water or no? I I'm leaning more towards. Go with me on this. So, Michael and Tom both have crushes on Martha, right? Mm-hmm. Michael sees Martha and Tom petting each other. Mike, Tom goes upstairs, whatever, watch the French Connection, whatever the hell that is. And Michael's like, fuck this. Why not me? Grabs a golf, finds his mom's golf clubs, and gets out to her before she can get home. And kind of passion. Yeah. I think Michael Skagel allegedly did I, it. I could see that. I think that's more. That's. Uh, you know what? Brotherhood jealousy. 
I could see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think you're you're right on that one. Because I do recall the one time my brother got to ride in the front seat, and then I smashed a sweet and sour sauce packet in his hair from behind. <laughs> At least it wasn't so, a golf club. It wasn't a golf club. It might have been if I had one. I was that mad. But yeah, like I, th- I really sorry think- to equate this girl's life to a riding in the front seat of a car, but well, know. no, I mean it's, it's a sibling rivalry. Yeah. yeah, they both want the same girl. Tom got farther than Michael did. Michael's like, well, what the fuck? Why not meet? Like, we're the same age. And those rich fuckers do view people as property. But she was also rich. Yeah, but that the power structure is different. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Because they're men, and she's mm-hmm. a woman. Rich men. Yeah. But. With yachts and shit. <laughs> yachts and shit. Mm-hmm. Boats and hoes. Yeah, I think I think it. With the force that would be needed to break a metal golf club into pieces, that and is then a stab her in the neck with that. It. Is, that is the quintessential crime of passion. That is rage filled, not with like displaced anger. Towards someone that looks like the girl that hurt his feelings. Mm. That was his folk. Um, what's it called? His. Yeah, because that would make sense why they sent him to the Elon school, too. Right. So, yeah, that tracks. My theory's wrong. But what can you do? I'm just trying to, you know, think of, think outside the box here. Just call me the true crime queen. Hmm. Fair enough. Yes. Fair enough. Well, anyway, that's the case of Martha Moxley. Martha Moxley. I like saying her name. It is a cool sounding name. Mm-hmm. You didn't get to live up to it. No, unfortunately not. Poor girl. I know. It's awful. And those rich pieces of shit. Mm. Still walking free. Yep. Um, well, guys, that's gonna do it for this episode. Remember, uh, if you have any Ouija board stories, please send them to us at creepsinthecrypt at gmail.com. The episode will be out uh, next Friday. So it's going to be a longer episode, hopefully. If you guys send us some stories, we would love to hear from you. I think we have, what, two or three already? Yeah, something like that. So get those stories in, Christian, without further ado. We appreciate you guys so much. Make sure you guys are showing us the love back and downloading, sharing, and leaving a review on the episodes. We appreciate them so much. We love reading them on the show. We love giving you guys shout outs. Um, Make sure you guys are following us at Creeps in the Crypt on Instagram and Facebook. And make sure you guys are following us on the TikTok. Um, We are digging up some fun stuff from the Crips for this summer. And we're getting excited. Yes. Um... I've already made the post about what we're doing. We're doing classic or vintage serial killers. So it's it's not from the golden age of serial killing, but it is like right before it. We're going to throw out some oldies, but some goodies. Yeah, so some OG shit. The granddaddies. Yeah. Yes. Like the, serial killing. The guys who started it all type of shit. Well, maybe not started it all, but the ones you know about. Yes. And besides that, Stay creepy. Stay spooky. Stay safe.